negotiations. But there was no denying the impact of broad changes in America's wider political environment, most importantly, the ideological polarization of the political parties, on how Congress went about its work. We documented the demise of regular order, as Congress bent rules to marginalize committees and deny the minority party in the House opportunities to offer amendments on the floor, the decline of genuine deliberation in the lawmaking process on such important matters as budgets and decisions to go to war, the manifestations of extreme partisanship, the culture of corruption, the loss of institutional patriotism among members, and the weakening of the checks and balances system. While we observed some improvement after the Democrats regained control of Congress in the 2006 midterm elections, the most problematic features of the system remained. We thought them unlikely to abate, absent a major national crisis that inspired the American public to demand that the warring parties work together. America got the crisis, the most serious economic downturn since the Great Depression, and a pretty clear signal from the voters— who elected Barack Obama by a comfortable margin and gave the Democrats substantial gains in the House and Senate. What the country didn't get was any semblance of a well-functioning democracy. President Obama's post-partisan pitch fell flat, and the Tea Party movement pulled the GOP further to its ideological pool. Republicans greeted the new president with a unified strategy of opposing, obstructing, discrediting, and nullifying every one of his important initiatives. Obama reaped an impressive legislative harvest in his first two years, but without any Republican engagement or support, and with no apparent appreciation from the public. The anemic economic recovery and the pain of joblessness and underwater home mortgages led not to any signal that the representatives ought to pull together, but rather to yet another call by voters to throw the bums out. The Democrats' devastating setback in the 2010 midterm elections, in which they lost six Senate seats and 63 in the House, produced a Republican majority in the House dominated by right-wing insurgents determined to radically reduce the size and role of government. What followed was an appalling spectacle of hostage-taking, most importantly the debt-sealing crisis, that threatened a government shutdown and public default led to a downgrading of the country's credit and blocked constructive action to nurture an economic recovery or deal with looming problems of deficits and debt. In October 2011, Congress garnered its lowest approval rating, 9%, in polling history. Public trust in the government's capacity to solve the serious problems facing the country also hit record lows. Almost all Americans felt their country was on the wrong track and were pessimistic about the future. The public viewed both parties negatively, and President Obama's job approval rating was mired in the 40s. The widespread consensus was that politics and governance were utterly dysfunctional. In spite of the perilous state of the global economy, and with it the threat of another financial crisis and recession, no one expected the President and Congress to accomplish anything of consequence before the 2012 election. Paradoxically, the public's undifferentiated disgust with Congress, Washington, and the government in general is part of the problem, not the basis of a solution.
In never-ending efforts to defeat incumbent officeholders in hard times, the public is perpetuating the source of its discontent, electing a new group of people who are even less inclined to, or capable of, crafting compromise or solutions to pressing problems. We have been struck by the failure of the media, including editors, reporters, and many expert commentators, to capture the real drivers of these disturbing developments and the futility of efforts by many nonpartisan and bipartisan groups to counter, much less overcome them. We write this book to try to clarify the source of dysfunctional politics and what it will take to change it. The stakes involved in choosing who will lead us in the White House, the Congress, and the Supreme Court in the years ahead are unusually high, given both the gravity of the problems and the sharper polarization of the parties. In the pages that follow...